Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners, and I want to thank Kevin so much for sending along a one-time donation at support.greatdetectives.net. You can also send a donation using the Zelle service to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And you can mail in your donations to P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. And you can also become one of our recurring Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for today's episode of Not Beat, the original air date, August the 14th, 1952. And this one is, his name was Luke. And now, Pabst Blue Ribbon presents transcribed, Frank Lovejoy in... Night Beat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. The night is like a woman, I always say, revealing only what she thinks advisable and keeping the rest to herself. Sometimes, out of sheer whimsy, she tosses up a story that's as tough for me to tell as it may be for you to believe. And this is one of them. Full of wispy characters, human shadings that range from a delicate gray to a printer's ink black. Like I say... You may not buy it, but if you do, well, it might do you some good. A whole lot of good. It was late afternoon. It was half past five, to be exact. The pavement was crowded with weary wage earners jockeying for that quick ride home. A traffic light turned red, and along with 15 other pedestrians, I stopped and glared back at. Another batch came up from behind and started shoving. You know the way they do. The light blinked and I started to move. That's how it was that I became aware of the hand in my back pocket. I grabbed for it and whipped around. Oh, Julie Bronson. Randy, I didn't know it was you. So you didn't know it was me, Julie. Otherwise, it's okay. Look, Randy, I... Yeah, I know, I know. You can explain everything. You felt yourself slipping on a convenient banana peel, so you grabbed for a pocket, a pocket with a wallet in it. If you'll listen to me. My first and strongest impulse is to let the law listen to it. It's not for myself I'm asking, Randy. Don't turn me in. Julie Bronson picking pockets. Or has this been a sideline with you all along? I promised I'd have it for him by tonight. For him? Oh, you wouldn't understand. Now, let me go, Randy. I'm in a hurry. I don't. You started telling me about why you need money badly enough to do this. I... Oh, I, I haven't been working, and and I'm hungry. Plain hungry. You said you promised somebody you'd have it for him tonight. I was lying. I'm hungry, that's all. Let me go, please. Oh, you're coming with me. Are you, are you turning me in? We'll talk about it after you've had something to eat. Feel better? Hmm, I never thought anybody could be as hungry as I was. 
Now, last time I saw you, you were making the customers drool at Bernie's Burlicue Club. What happened? Randy, please, I've got to go. They're waiting for me. Who's waiting for you? Look, I can't make you out. You're talking to me like you're on cloud nine. Now, what's it all about? What happened to your job at the Burlicue Club? I quit because of him. Sweating faces looking up at me. Drunken eyes leering at me every time I come out to do a number. In the entertainment business, I thought that was the goal. There must be some other way to live. He told me... He? I quit. That's all there is to it, Randy. Is this the same he, the uh, one who's waiting for the money? I... I let him down. Mm, Well, this friend of yours, he's quite a paradox. Talks you out of a job, then sends you out to raise a hundred bucks picking pockets. No, Randy. Until last week, I worked in a bakery. In a bakery? You? Like he told me. So what happened with this honest toil of yours? The boss's wife. She didn't like me. But the boss did, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Even in the bakery. Randy, I've got to make a phone call. Oh, your bag. Uh, I'll get it. Oh, let me make my call. I'll come back. Okay, go ahead. Randy. Yeah. Can I have a dime, please? Uh, I haven't got any change. Here, uh, get the cashier to break this ten for me. I'll make the call and I'll be right back. I watched her move toward the cashier's counter and I wondered what had happened to the hip-swinging, hep-little showgirl that I'd known. She'd changed. I was framing a set of questions to be put to her when she came out of the phone booth. She paused at the cashier's counter and looked towards me and then suddenly made a dash out the street door. I went after her, but the theater-goers were out in force and I lost her. So I went back to the restaurant to pay my bill. Babe ran out on you, huh? Yeah. I made myself a bet when you took after her. I bet you'd get her. What's my bill? Uh, $2.14. A laugh's on her. Now, here you are. Here's your dough. You didn't do so bad with her. Okay, okay, I didn't do so bad. Well, lots of guys would settle for less. What are you building, a second-act climax? I mean, you made money on the deal. The waitress picked this up off the floor when she cleared away your table. Her change purse. Let's see it. Go on, open it up. Holy. 20, 40, 60. Some change, huh? 72, $73. See what I mean? One way or another, you come out on top. Well, that little chiseler, that wide eyed, baby faced dip. You're mad? What for? Sixty-three bucks, you clear. You made yourself a bet on me and lost, huh? Yeah. Well, here's your chance to break even. I'll call you. What is it? Give yourself ten to one that I find her before midnight. I was sore. A guy doesn't mind being a sucker once in a foolish moment, but it's got to be his own idea. I went campaigning for her. I tried the usual methods first. City directory, telephone books... I even buzzed the police to see if they had anything on her, but there was nothing doing. I went down to Bernie's Burlicue Club, one of those night spots where the words no cover refer strictly to the girls in the chorus. The audience was getting its usual kicks. I swam through the smoke-filled room till I got to the door that took me backstage. The girls were preening for the first show, and I asked for Bertie Blair, one of the club's stellar attractions. The girls pointed to the door that said, Private, keep out. But knowing Bertie, I knew that sign meant nothing. 
You're a stranger. Sit down. <laughs> well, I was beginning to care too much, Bertie. That's why I stayed away. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Now, don't go coining phrases on me, Bertie. I loved you the way you were. Oh, you're in good shape tonight. There's sweet talk on your lips and a fire in your eyes. Well, it's a different kind of fire, Bertie. I'm trying to locate Julie Bronson. Oh, that screwball. What do you want her for? Anybody here got her address? What do you want her for, Randy? Well, it isn't social, believe me. Well, did you try Hoffman's delicatessen? Most of the girls use Olmax as kind of a forwarding agent when they leave town. Well, I happen to know that she didn't leave town. Hey, wait a minute. Have you, um, tried her boyfriend? No. Who's he? Oh, she was seeing a lot of him before she left here. The girls were given to the big rib. Uh, who is he? That fell on the corner, you know. Nature Boy. Well, what's his name? What, Haddad? That's the one. Runs the shoeshine stand. They sure were pally. Are you kidding? Julian Haddad? Honest, Randy, it's almost like he hypnotized her. The next thing you know, she quits the job. Well, perhaps I'd better go see Sven Galley. Well, if you don't find her, I know of a cute little dish who'll be glad to substitute. Face name, Birdie. <laughs> I keep it in mind, Birdie. Thanks. Anybody who knows the loop knows Hatted Shoeshine Stand. He's been there as long as anyone can remember. Ah, uh, Mr. Stone, the seeker of the truth. Now, yeah, that's close enough. Uh, I think you can help me. We are in doubt with strengths, but the bidding is thine. From the Koran, Mr. Stone. Uh, what is this, Haddad, a new pitch? The book says, pause ye and meditate, and grace shall come to you. Yeah, I know, the Koran, Haddad. Uh, you've been seeing a lot of Julie Bronson. I want to reach her in a hurry. This is a day when they may not speak. Look, uh, Haddad the scholar and Haddad the reformed. I want Julie's address. Julie, I cannot help you. Well, I'm glad you finally came out from behind that cloud of quotations, Haddad. You know where Julie lives? You seek in vain. What do you want her for? The police want her. And with or without you, they'll find her. The police? They might want to know if you're the guy who sent her out to pick a few pockets. Julie, poor child. She was desperate. We all are. Now, do you help me or do I call the police? Wait. It is said, for him who gives alms, we will send him easily to ease. Oh, oh so that's it. Well, you were a long time getting it. Uh, here's a buck. But as for him who is niggardly, we will lead him easily to difficulty. Ten bucks, Mr. Stone. All right. But it's coming out of Julie's bankroll. The money Here. is not for me, Mr. Stone. It is for another I accept this money. Yes, 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 I'm sure. Her address. 1726 East Waterloo. You are taking the police there? I don't know yet. Perhaps if you knew the full circumstances, if you knew the reason behind her act, perhaps if I told you about it. Now, some other time, Haddad. It's Julie I want right now. <laughs> I couldn't figure him out. There was something different about Haddad, something strange. But tonight, nobody was turning out the way they ought to. East Waterloo was clear across town. $3.65 worth on the taxi meter. When I got there, the people told me there was no Julie Bronson at that address and never had been. I'd been taken again twice in one night. 
I went back to the shoe shine stand looking for Haddad, and he was gone. I had to start all over again. This time, I tried Hoffman's delicatessen. Hello, Randy. Nice to see you. Hi, Max. Hi. Mm, you look lonesome. Corned beef not moving today? I'm not lonesome, Randy. I'm thinking. What is this tonight? Everybody's meditating. I have found the reason for existence, Randy. An old man like me, and I've found it. This all came to you while you were slicing salami? Why shouldn't it happen to an old man? Is everything for the young? Oh, don't tell me you've fallen for a young chick, Max. You gotta be careful. Maybe she's after you for your recipe for cheesecake. You're joking, Randy, when you should be happy for me. Oh, I'm ecstatic. Who is she? Contentment is neither a man nor a woman. You've been talking to Haddad. He's a fine man. It was he who first met him. Are you by any chance also collecting for Mr. Him? They have asked you for money, too? Oh, this guy, whoever he is, has got himself some racket. There's a shakedown artist I'd like to meet. Oh, no, 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 you cannot. No, what's his name? This guy with the appetite for money. This, uh, I, I don't tell you. Okay. Well, then tell me, how does uh, Julie Bronson fit into his charmed little circle? Julie? She, too, has a new concept of life. Oh, yeah, I've noticed that. It's quite a concept. It includes picking pockets. Julie had it, and now you, Max. Everybody with a new concept. This must really be some philosophy. I'm sure the police will want to know more about it. Police? But uh, you mustn't have her arrested. It was for him. Do you have her address, Max? She's blameless. She had to get the money. Why? Who is this him? What's he got on you people? You've all changed, so I don't recognize any of you. For him, we need the money. Oh, brother, I'd like to read some of his copy. Now, for the last time, Max, Julie's address. Okay, Max, quick. Give me the dough. Mr. Scarlatti. Oh, well, comes the dawn. No cracks, wise guy. Dickie Scarlatti, so you're the one behind the shakedown. Shut up, Stone. What'd you tell him, Max? Nothing, Mr. Scarlatti. Honest, not a thing. Okay, Max. The money. Make it snappy. The all-protection racket starting up all over again. Is that it, Scarlatti? There's no time for conversation, Stone. I said shut up. We return in just a moment to Nightbeat. Starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Breezy, easygoing summer days. Oh, they're wonderful. You and your friends barbecuing in a backyard, picnicking at the park, enjoying small, homey gatherings. And always close at hand, you'll want smooth, sociable, satisfying Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. A tall, cool, foaming glass to refresh your moments of relaxation. To quench your warm-weather thirst. Pabst Blue Ribbon to make good foods like these taste better. Listen. Here's a list of foods to choose for picnics, parties, barbecues. Campbell's Pork and Beans. Farmer's Treat. Borden's Cheese. Ritz Crackers. Swift's Frankfurters. And of course, Pabst Blue Ribbon. You'll find that foods taste better by far if you serve them with foaming PPR. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What'll you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. What do you have? Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Smoother, smoother, smoother flavor. Finer beer that millions favor. Taste that smoother, smoother flavor. 
Tomorrow, be sure to pick up several convenient Pabst Blue Ribbon Handy Six cartons, packed with six face-saving cans. Or get the money-saving case of 24. Any way you buy it, it's always the same smooth, delicious Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Act Two of Night Beat will continue after a brief pause for station identification. Now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. Julie Bronson had gone out to raise some money in a hurry, even if it meant picking pockets. No matter how, she had to have the dough. And now I thought I knew why. Dick Scarlatti, gunman, junior grade, mobster, heister, codman, and past master of the old protection shakedown racket. The payoff. This one, though, this was something original. You know, this is really imaginative, Scarlatti. You seem to have added a touch of poetry to the racket. What's he want, Max? He's looking for Julie Bronson. Well, let him go find her someplace else. Go on, take a walk. He's Randy Stone of the newspaper. I know who he is. Take the air. Max, are you shelling out money to this cheap crook? Please, Randy, no trouble. Uh, Here's Julie now. Well, the elusive Miss Bronson. Randy! I'm so glad I found you. The man at the restaurant told me you have my money. Yeah, that's right. $73. Give it to me quickly. Well, there's a little account to settle first. Give it to a rat. No, no. A few words first. An extemporaneous statement for the press. 73 bucks. That's all you got, Julie? No, 83, Scarlatti. She took me for 10. Hand it over, Julie. Got no time. You saw him, Dick? Yeah, I left him with the doc. The uh, doctor, he, he said there was a chance. There's a chance. He'll live, Max. I just know it. If I could get a word in here, I'd be extremely grateful. Now, what's the idea of going for my wallet when you had more than 70 bucks of your own, Julie? The money, Julie. Randy, please, give me the money. I need it now. Are you hard of hearing? I asked a question. There's no time for questions, Stone. How much you got, Max? A hundred and five dollars. Had I'd only dug up 65. And yours over, Julie. Randy has it. Okay. Give it to me. Hello. Come on, Stone. I want Julie's money. I don't believe it is her money. Yes, Doctor. Yes? Do you think something's happened? I don't know. Yes, Doctor. Yes, yes, yes. What kind of a bill of goods you sell these people, Scarlatti? Right away, Doctor. You're going to hand it over Stone or do I have to take it? Something's wrong, Max. We should go to the hospital right away. What's the matter? He asked for us. The dough, Stone? Not until I know what this is all about. I'll close the store. Julie will go. Take Julie outside, Max. I want to persuade Mr. Stone to give me the money. Uh, Come, Julie. Believe me, I don't want to have to argue with you, Stone. The police get this coin purse, Scarlatti. I didn't mean it to be this way, Stone. This is one time I really didn't want it to be like this. Like what? This! Eighty-six little bells racing through my head woke me up about an hour later. I felt a lump on my head Scarlatti's gun had made. I pulled myself up on my feet and I felt better. A row of salamis swung crazily overhead and when they all settled down to a conventional vertical, I dragged myself to the telephone and called a cab. Ten minutes later, the cabbie dropped me off in front of Haddard's shine stand. I was a little surprised to find him, but there he was. 
I'll take that shine now, Haddad. Uh, Mr. Stone, I did not see you come up. Yeah, otherwise you'd have taken a fast walk, huh? I'm not working tonight, Mr. Stone. As you see, I'm all dressed up. I'm going someplace. Now start talking, Haddad. I'm dying to catch up on a few dozen quotations. I'm not working. I was merely waiting for a friend. If you will excuse me, I go without you. Oh, Scarlatti, I know where he is. I go now. Now stick around a couple of minutes, Haddad. I was just about to call the police. I have done nothing that concerns the police. Well, aiding and abetting, they call it. You gave me a phony address for Julie to help her get away. Not to mention ten bucks you made on me for that quotation. I gave you what information I had. It is not my fault it was false. Well, maybe the cops would like to know something about your payoff to Scarlatti. No. That is a private matter. I'll give you a chance to beat the rap. Julie, Max, and Scarlatti said something about going to a hospital. Or which one? I do not know. You said it too quickly, had it. Try it again. I do not know. Okay, let's try it a different way. Julie's in trouble. I want to help her. She is in no trouble. Of that, I can assure you. Well, I want to talk to her. Now, what hospital did she go to? I do not know. And if you persist in bothering me, I myself will call the police. I'm a citizen. Okay, chum, you win. Someday I give you back your money, Mr. Stone. For money is the... Yeah, I know, I know. It's the root of all evil. I left him standing there and took a quick walk around the corner, and then I crossed the street and did a stakeout in the doorway of a clothing store. Haddad waited for a few minutes and then hailed a cab. I got out into the street and flagged one for myself. We followed Haddad's cab until it stopped at the Baker Street Hospital. Haddad got out and he went inside. I waited a few minutes and went up to the information desk. The nurse directed me to the elevator on the fifth floor. From behind a door near the elevator, I heard voices, and one of them I recognized. Old man Hoffman. I opened the door and went in. Not one of them looked at me when I closed the door. They were like four people in a trance. Randy? Uh, yeah, Randy. I'm glad you're not badly hurt, Randy. Oh, uh, you too, Scarlatti? You're glad that I'm all right? I... I didn't want to rough you up, Stone. This is one time I didn't want to. Yeah, well, it'd be all right with me if you'd like to step out somewhere and see if I can't get even. Just stay put, Stone. You followed me here, Mr. Stone. You're clever. Oh, thank you. You've got to be quiet in here. The doctor said so. Real quiet. I'll make no noise, I promise you. In fact, I'm leaving. Come on, Julie, you're going with me. Oh, no, Randy, I can't leave. Don't you understand? No, but you are leaving. Now, come on, get up. I said for you to be quiet. I mean it. See how I mean it? Well, that's a nice gun, Scarlatti. Goes just right with your personality. I don't want trouble. You do. Max, you're the only one I can talk to. How did you come to get mixed up with this gun? Oh, no, no, no. He's a friend. It was his idea to raise the money for the best doctor in the city. Raise money for whom? Who's in there? We have been praying for him. All of us. I, I thought I'd forgotten how. What, Scarlatti? Playing good Samaritan? Who is it? Who's in there? His name is Luke. Luke? Luke what? Just Luke. What's he got on you people? The hold of the infinite. I met him first. One meeting, and my life was changed completely. It was the same with me. It sounds like a meeting in a life-can-be-beautiful society. One of my regular customers took out his wallet to pay me. A $10 bill fell on the floor. Naturally, I quickly covered it with my foot. 
The customer walked away, and I bent down to pick up the money. Then he looked up, and Luke was there. He stood watching me. His eyes were sad, but a smile was on his lips. He stood there saying nothing. I said to him, this is my money. I just dropped it. He said nothing. That is his way. He says nothing. But in his eyes, you see terrible truth. It blinds you. Hatter took the ten spot back to the customer who dropped it. Chased him half a block. When I came back, he was still there. Then he said to me, Prosperous is a man who purifies himself. He walked away, that's all. Oh, brother, I've heard everything now. Your own guilt, your own reactions made you take that money back, Hatter. No, it is not true. I never took it back before. Okay. Okay, who'll make the next testimonial? No cracks, wise guy. Oh, you must not mock Randy. When I met him, I was on my way from the store. I felt old and alone. I stopped in the park for a minute. Mean and bitter thoughts I had for this world. And this, this man, Max, all of a sudden he was at your side? He smiled at me. It was like seeing the sunrise for the first time. Max thought he wanted a handout, didn't you, Max? His clothes were so poor. He didn't speak to me. He just turned around and my eyes followed his. They rested on two children playing in the grass. <laughs> they were squealing with delight. Then his eyes led mine to the flight of a bird across the trees. Then what? Nothing. He just said, You're not alone, Max. All this is yours. He called you by name, and yet you'd never seen him before? I swear it, Randy. I, I speak the truth. Mr. Scarlotti was the one who found about his illness. No cracks, Stone, and I'll tell you how it was. No cracks. It's 4 a.m., see? I'm, I'm coming home. I hear steps behind me. I think this is it. I whip around quick. He's there. I ask him, what does he want? He shakes his head. I ask him, you hungry? He don't answer. All right, I say, here's a couple of bucks anyway. Give it to somebody. He won't take it. He didn't say anything? Not a word. Just walks away. I, I'm sweating. I, I couldn't sleep that night for thinking. I've been thinking ever since. When they brought him here, he asked the hospital to notify Mr. Scarlatti. We had to have dough. Lots of it. The money you saw in my purse. It was for him. You should have told me, Julie. You wouldn't have believed. He don't now. How about you, Julie? How did you meet him? A party, Randy. I, I was going on a party. Sitting in a cab, waiting for a friend. He walked up and looked at me. I got scared and wanted to scream, but... Nothing would come out of my throat. And all he said to her was, Go home, young lady. And I did. I went home, Randy. See why I thought you wouldn't believe? Well, it's crazy and it's fantastic, but... I'd like to meet him. He is like a church. A church? Well, what faith is he? Faith? Mohammedan, of course. Oh, he's Catholic. I know he is. But did he say so? He didn't have to. I could tell. Oh, no, he's Protestant, just like my folks were. There was no question in my mind, but he was Jewish. None of you knows for sure? Well, I, I guess not. Funny thing, but we don't know. And uh, none of you had ever seen him before or, or heard of him? He came to us out of nowhere. 
Why are you crying, Julie? I... I don't know. I don't know why. The nurse. He's all right now, nurse. Is he pulling around? He's all right now. I can tell by the nurse. Now, give her a chance to speak. Give her a chance. The worst over, nurse? He's dead. And that's it. Now go ahead, lift your eyebrows and smirk. Some of you may even get a belly laugh out of it, but that's the way it was. His name was Luke, and he lived and died right here in Chicago. Four people can testify to that. He brushed by them in the crowded city and left them all a little richer for it. I could have used some of it myself, but as is usually the case, I happened on the story a little late and just missed out. Who he really was and where he came from, nobody knows. Well, I don't know what it means to you, but as for me, I'm going to church this Sunday. Copy, boy. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed story was written by Lewis and Russoff, with music by Frank Worth. The part of Julie was played by Betty Moran. Others featured were Lou Krugman, Fritz Feld, Frank Gerstel, and Joan Banks. Listen next week at this time, and every week, as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. Nine out of ten forest fires are caused by carelessness. Hundreds of thousands of acres of woodland are damaged or destroyed by fire every year. So be careful with cigarettes and make sure your campfire is out before you leave it. If you want to use your favorite campsite again, be careful with fire. Let's not set fire to America. This Friday, enjoy music by Montavani on NBC. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, another Nightbeat story and... A good one, though it's a bit odd. Obviously, there's one big mystery that's obvious. Who is this him that everybody's getting the money together for? Why are they doing it this way? And we get an answer to that, but there's the deeper mystery of who Luke was, what he was about. And they leave that mystery for the audience to figure out. Uh, Most of the time, I think that would be probably a little bit too cute by half, but um, I think this script definitely gets away with it. As it it does succeed in being thought-provoking and interesting the way that it sets this up. 
Now, there are some uh, moments that were kind of odd. The, the biggest one is when the guy who was the bootlack offered to explain to Randy why uh, she was desperate to get the money. And that would have solved things pretty quickly. But Randy acted out of character. Still, I think it was a very successful bit of drama, and I hope you enjoyed it. All right, listener comments and feedback now, and we have a couple of iTunes reviews. Also note, we have a lot more uh, iTunes ratings. It seems like, like there may have been a backlog and Apple caught them, but thanks so much for all those who rated us on iTunes. I really appreciate it. Uh, Danny writes, I've been listening for so long, and Adam is the best host we could possibly hope for. Uh, thanks, Adam. And Betsy says, I spend quite a bit of time in my car for work, and the combination of the original show and the brief modern commentary in each episode makes it fun to drive to each location. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your kind comments, and that will actually be all for now. Join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Fortune, and then next Monday it's another episode of Nightbeat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net, follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.